Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. What is up? Welcome back. Our call-in show is back. We are not here on Spotify Live because Spotify Live is no more. We are here on Twitter Spaces. Yes, we are live again. Our uh, weekend, we'll just call it our weekend call-in show where we take your questions live. Here now on Twitter Spaces is uh, is a thing again. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer at Pride of Detroit, Detroit Lions uh, beat writer for Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, helping answering all of your Lions questions Let's go to the managing editor first. He is the machine. He is at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Eric, how we doing, dude? Um, uh, we're doing all right. <laughs> you know, we're going to make it through. I, I'm sorry about the voice, but we're going to be good. We're going to make it. Again, this is your second podcast, your second flu game podcast. I think you made it through the first <laughs> one without most people even noticing. This one might be a little tougher. <laughs> uh, but... It is not just myself and Eric, of course. It is also our senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore P-O-D on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. What's up, buddy? I'm here. I'm considerably more healthy than Eric. and uh, That's a good start. I'm happy to be here. Aren't we all happy to be here? We're happy to be talking to the people again. Yeah. I've, uh, I've missed this show, and I think uh, a lot of people have, uh, have felt similarly. Um, we are recording this on a Friday evening. I don't know if that's going to be our, our main time slot. I think we're going to try to hope to get back to our, our Saturday mornings, which uh, just follow us on Twitter, and uh, you'll probably get a notification or uh, we'll see our tweet every time we go live. Um, but let's, let's tarry no further here. Let's get to our first uh, caller here, and... I think it is Zach. Zach, let's bring in Zach. Zach, are you there? Oh, it's still connecting. There we go. Zach, are you here? I'm here. Thanks, guys. How's it going? Good, Zach. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing really good. By the way, Jeremy, congratulations winning the uh, media day. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, event. So, yeah, I saw Danny was giving you quite a bit of love. There. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, good to, good to see you on that end, man. Good to see you. I appreciate that. that. Hey, I was going to I was gonna ask you guys this question, and I really just started thinking about it here. And I'm wondering if you guys know, like, who do you think could be this year's Malcolm Rodriguez? Not saying, you know, okay, we're going to have a linebacker come up out of nowhere, and hey, he's going to start, you know, come week one. What I wonder by, if you, you know, about is, hey, is there somebody – who could be this year's Rodrigo? Like, okay, we're not talking about him now, but come training camp, say week one, this guy's going to make some noise, and there's potential that he could be starting for us. That's a good question, Zach. I think I think it's an interesting one because I think my initial thought is like, I think maybe this team is too good to have someone come out of nowhere and be a starter, but you never know, and and you know the Lions really preach you know, competition everywhere. And so everyone, even the guys that we, I guess, presume are going to be starters might not be starters if they lose it out in training camp. So Eric, I'm, I'll throw it to you first. Is there a guy that jumps to mind that might surprise everyone in training camp that could push for a starting spot? I, I think if you're using starting as a starter role, as a qualifier, the guy who probably has the best chance is Broderick Martin. Um, 
Isaiah Bugs is really the only guy in front of him, in my opinion. And Martin is this just massive guy with a lot of talent that they believe in. Obviously, they spent a top 100 pick on him. So um, I think Martin might have the easiest path of the guys who are considered like, you know, surprise players or guys that might surprise us and, and, and pop off. Ryan, you got another name. Do you agree with Roderick Martin or is that, is that too obvious of an answer since he's a, a day two pick? No, I, I feel like that's one of the only answers in terms of, you know, uh, addressing the question, just because you're looking for somebody who, as they mentioned, you know, can come out of nowhere and, and earn a starting spot. But back to what you initially said too, Jeremy is like, the roster has just been elevated in a way that there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room for guys to find their way to that spot. Now, Again, this is a coaching staff that always preaches things like competition and you know the, the best players are going to get the, the time on the field. I, I, I view Broderick Martin as just being that guy. And, and I know it's kind of an easy answer, but I think you know Eric laid it out. You have a guy who can easily fit in in a spot where they, where they need uh, somebody to maybe not even necessarily start because you might see bugs there a lot, but you'll see a guy who will get like a, 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 a good share of snaps and, and will get a lot of opportunities to contribute to the defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking across this roster and I'm trying to find a spot and like, uh, I don't think I can talk myself into Soresdale winning the right guard job or anything like that. Or, I mean, I think I mean, I think maybe the closest and he's not coming out of nowhere at all. It's like, because I, I view this as a legitimate camp battle. It's it's, it's Jerry Jacobs versus Emmanuel Mosley, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't view Jerry Jacobs coming out of nowhere. I think he has a legitimate shot at that job. But at the same time, you paid Emmanuel Mosley, what, $6 million? I think the assumption from them is that he's going to win that spot, but I guess you could, you could kind of fit, fit Jerry Jacobs into that category. I think we're we're stretching here because there just there just isn't a lot of starting jobs up for grabs. Yeah, I think if you take the starting aspect away from the question, you just talk about guys that aren't being talked about a lot that could surprise. I think staying at that quarterback position, Starling yeah. Thomas is a guy who could jump out and, and catch people's opinion just because he's got that speed. He's been repping high on the uh, on the on the on the depth chart, um, and as a UDFA, not a lot of people know a lot about him. So um, I think he's a guy who people could fall in love with pretty easily in a similar way that they fell in love with Jerry because. Um, he's got some aspects to him that that I think will pop out in training camp. All right, I think uh, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for the question, Zach. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our next caller here. Uh, Philip is here. Uh, let's add Philip to the room. All right, you're on. How you doing, buddy? Are you there? Make sure you unmute yourself. Well, there you hey, go. Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going? There you go. Hey, sorry, guys. All right. Uh, so I got kind of a boring question. Uh, you guys have done great coverage on what's going on with the kicking competition so far, but what's it looking like for long snapper? You got an opinion on who's going to be our long snapper, you know, very pivotal position on the roster. Yeah, it's it's a fair question. Um, and I'll I'll be honest, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to this. During training camp, I know Eric's shocking that I wasn't paying attention to a, a special teams battle. Um, but I, I'm curious if you maybe took a little bit of an extra notice in terms of like which long snapper was repping where. Because that, I feel like that's really the only analysis we could get as, as viewers. Because a lot of times they're, they're snapping and, and we don't really have a good angle of whether it was a good or bad snap. And I'm certainly not making well, that's, notes on that. Yeah, that's the thing is um... – 
while we're right up close to the field, they usually have like a wall of players that yeah. we kind of have to kind of look through at times, especially when they're doing drills, like when it comes to snapping. So, um, unfortunately I did, I did not get good views uh, on the long snappers during that, um, during those, those portions of the, of the, of the practices. So I don't have, um, I don't even know which one was going first, okay. to be honest, just because our, we were, we were yeah. obstructed most of yeah. the time, right? Like we, we were angling around to get a, get an eye on the kicker or we were, um, or we were looking at gunners, you know what I mean? Like it just, it just wasn't there. Uh, but from a, you know, I, I think it's going to be a competition and, you know, McQuaid has the background that, that, you know, he's got the pro bowl, uh, resume under his belt. So I'm sure he's going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of leeway and a lot of veteran love at the same time. I don't know if you can count Scott Daly out either because he's, uh, he's been in the system for a couple of years now. So, uh, I don't have a good ask. I, I don't have a good, you know, who's a leader or anything like that at this time though. Unfortunately. I, mean, I, I guess, I guess my question, my question would be like, you, you take a look at just the, the players themselves, right? Daly's younger, you know, he's, he's 29 as, as compared to McQuaid being 35. But like Eric said, you know, he's got McQuaid has the pro bowl resume, but, also, an undrafted free agent that signed with the St. Louis Rams back in 2011, right? So, I mean, maybe the inside track because you have Brad Holmes in the general manager spot. But don't don't you guys feel like this could just be one of those spots where maybe you know some of the things that we might overestimate have nothing to do with who actually wins the job? You know, it's just the guy who performs better in training camp. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's that's obviously how they they treat a lot of positions, and I don't know why this one would necessarily be different. I mean, obviously, there's a you know, if, if Daly is a guy who wins out, maybe you're set up for the next ten years. Whereas you get McQuaid, who's what thirty five, um, you're only set up for for a oh, year man. or two. That stability, that stability. <laughs> We're used to it, right? Spot. Like it's, but but <laughs> but I think the question is, does I mean, all respect to long snappers, but does it matter that much? Can you live? in the NFL changing your long snapper every year. I mean, you probably don't want to because I think there is a certain amount of chemistry that you want to build between your your long snapper and your holder, which is why you don't change your holder a whole lot. And then there's a chemistry with your holder and your kicker. And like it, I, I get it's like an assembly line here, but I, I don't know. It feels like maybe, maybe. Well, it, it feels like there's a lot of moving parts <clears throat> sure. too, right? Like, I mean, who's going to win the kicking right. job? Who's going to win the long snapper job? I, I think we have an idea of who's going to be the holder, right, Jack Fox? I, I would think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder if kickers have like a, a particular long snapper that they enjoy, like that they that they have a vibe with, um, or if that's more whoever gets it there faster. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what that's it's going to be. Yeah. You know, like and 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 there will be portions of training camp where we will get to see them just firing the ball to Tom Mulebach. <laughs> and and you, you will generally see one guy's got a stronger kick than the other. And so and Eric will have you know, 250 words on that and his observations on day three at camp. I, I'll get you 150. I'll get you <laughs> okay. 150. But, I, but I'll have it. I'll have it. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry we couldn't answer that directly. Uh, it is something that, that should be at least a little bit on the radar, I, I think. But uh, – but still too early to tell, I guess, is, is your answer. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah, man. no problem at all. All right. Let's do one more before we head to break. Uh, let's bring on Sugar Bear. 
Oops, not as co-host. Whoops, still working it out. There we go. <clears throat> Hello. Am hey, I, how's it going? Am I oh, I'm doing good, good. It feels good to finally get to call in. I always work Saturday mornings, so good to finally get a chance. Hey, uh, well, welcome in. Yeah, I was just curious what you guys thought about some of like the more fringe roster battles going into camp. Uh, you know, thinking about like especially that running back three position or four, maybe some of the wide receivers who might get to get their opportunity because of JMO not being in right away. Uh, just want to know if you guys each had like a person that was on your radar going into training camp. Yeah, uh, no, no problems talking about training camp uh, this early because I think we're all like excited to to turn the page there and start talking about that. And yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it. There's a lot of kind of like RB three, wide receiver five, you know, guard four, offensive tackle three and four, things like that 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 are definitely out there and and maybe not as sexy as the the starting jobs uh, potentially up for grabs. But I want to throw it to you first, Ryan. Is there is there a certain position or player? That you're that's on that kind of roster bubble that that you're looking forward to hearing about in, in training camp. Yeah, I, I mean, for me particularly, I think one of the more interesting ones is going to be RB three, right? Um, you have you have the incumbent, uh, you have Craig Reynolds, but then you also have a, a mix of some guys who you know they're familiar with, and Jamar Jefferson. You have Muhammad Ibrahim, and uh, you know Greg Bell is, is somebody who's still you know floating around on the roster, so. It's going to be interesting to me who they choose just based on what are they going to prioritize? Do they want to have an RB3 who's going to be a guy who can maybe do a little bit of everything, um, kind of like Justin Jackson was in years past? Or do you think they're going to have somebody who's going to be, uh, you know, responsible and that they can, you know, count on, you know, toting the rock, kind of like how they, you know, prioritize having Craig Reynolds on the roster? Um I don't know. It'll be interesting. Do they want a pass catcher? Do they want a guy who they can count on to be that RB3 as, hey, we can get him in there to be a pass blocking specialist? I don't, I don't know. I, I, th- I view that position as kind of being wide open. And I know, Jeremy, you kind of remarked on some of your uh, you know, minicamp observations about Jamar Jefferson and how he kind of flashed a little bit with the opportunity with David Montgomery out. Yeah, I, I really do view that competition as, as wide open. And I think you bring in a good point is that um, – we're not entirely sure what they want out of that role. Do they want someone who can fill in for both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs if one of them goes down? Do they want someone who who does one of those things specifically? Is where is you know kick returner going to be on the list of of priority as well? Um, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely going to be uh, one of the more fascinating ones. And you might as well throw RB four in there too because it, they don't necessarily have to carry a fourth, especially if they're going to carry Kabinda. But I wouldn't count it against them because they carried four for most of last year as well so um eric i don't know you you can either throw in your hat to this rb conversation or talk about another position you're interested in i i think for me i i naturally gravitate towards the trenches during training camp and i like seeing those guys uh square off one-on-one it tells me a lot about how i think they'll have a chance to succeed um and how the the reserve offensive line shapes up is is going to be really fascinating for me. So, you know, where does Graham fit? Uh, is is Sorsdal what we expect him to be? Has Matt Nelson, you know, found his way back to being, you know, a, a competent outside tackle? Is a Zay ready 
to uh, to take the next step. Um, Zafetti, the uh, the veteran right tackle, is he ready to 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 join it? Like, or are we going to be surprised by one of these other guys? Like, that's how that that offensive line is such a pivotal part of this entire organization. And, and we kind of know who those starting five are, but you need depth. We've seen it each of the last two years. You need depth guys because they're going to play there because the offensive line is going to get injured. And so how, who are those depth guys? How does that shake out? I think that's going to be uh, a fascinating battle because um, there's a lot of options. And I, I think there's, there's some talented players and I just want to see which ones kind of rise to the top. Yeah. Bringing up the offensive line at, I know how much you value Eric and, and understandably. So the, the third offensive tackle, right. Um, one that has been occupied by Matt Nelson for a few years now to mixed results. I think that's going to be a more interesting competition this year, right? Because you bring in, like you said, Jermaine Effetti as your veteran guy who who's done it, who's been a starter, um, former first round pick, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Uh, Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. If I'm not and, mistaken. and then you also have kind of Obina as waiting in the wings, a guy that I think they're really hoping takes a, right. a big year two jump there. Um, I think that could be kind of an underrated battle to, to keep your eye on. Yeah, I, honestly, I think they're probably hoping one of those guys steps yeah. up, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like separates themselves because I don't know if there's room for two, yeah. uh, especially when you have guys like Glasgow and Sorsdahl that are going to be on the interior and then I don't know if like Awasiko or Piercebacher, if they're if right now I think they're probably ahead of like where Isaiah is, and you know I, I haven't seen enough of Buffetti to say if he's you know still has anything left at this stage of his career, um, but it's going to be a tough battle for those tackles because those reserve tackles are going to be going up against like Romeo <laughs> right, right. and Charles and Charles yeah. Harris. Like those are not easy tasks, right? Like the lions depth on the edge to just for one-on-ones to, to what they're going to roll at these offensive tackles. They're going to win most yeah. of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the Hutchinson Decker and, and like Sewell versus Kaminsky Pascal or the, those battles are going to be yep. fun, but like, which reserve tackle can handle Romeo or Charles? Like that's if if you can take one of those guys, or James on, Houston, you you might be OT three. <laughs> James you know Houston I mean? is like, going to be tearing really somebody apart. Oh, like <laughs> it, right, and, and I mean we haven't even talked about Julian yep. yet either, right? And I mean like, and that's another fascinating sure. battle. Is like last year they kept six of the of the edge guys. But now they have seven who look like they're all going to make the team. And if you're going to give seven and you got those two hybrid Sams in James Houston and Julian Aguara, well, you're going to have to lose a body somewhere right. else. And that that's probably going to be a linebacker, right? We talked about this in the midweek yeah. mailbag. We, we talked about the fact that that puts Anthony Pittman, his role in, in a compromised position. And this is a guy who's been a special team stalwart for, for years now. But like if – is he going to be able to hold his own um, and earn a job over a guy like Julian Aquara? Like that's going to be a hard battle for him. And then when you start adding in the secondary players and it's going to be really fascinating to see how that bottom like five play out because there's, there's a lot of good depth that um, I think better than we've seen in, in, in years. That's for certain. Yeah. And the, the only other position battle that, that I wanted to bring up is, is in the secondary and I'm, I'm just going to call it defensive backs because there's so much, interplay between corner and, and safety that 
I don't think it's fair to necessarily label one or the other. But I'm, I'm looking at the roster here, and I feel like you, you can probably circle eight guys that are already close as close to locks as you can be. So we got Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, Jerry Jacobs. Sorry, guys, I'm throwing Will Harris into this category as well. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Brian Branch, Tracy Walker, Kirby Joseph. That's eight already, and most teams keep nine or ten. So that means we're talking about guys like Ifatu Melifanu, Savion Smith, Chase Lucas, Starling Thomas. Brady Breeze, all guys who have either shown up, done something last year or this year, and, and you know, decent guys that aren't all going to be able to fit on this roster. And I'm probably, you know, I wouldn't even count out a guy like Khalil Dorsey, St- Stephen Gilmore, Brandon Joseph, another UDFA that, that was given a lot, I think, uh, of, of guaranteed money. I don't know where they go. It, it, I think even just like circling the number of, of guys that they're going to keep because they're so so much more deep at that position than they've been in previous years. Do they want to keep more than normal? Do they want to push 11? Um, but, yeah, I think, I think you can, I think you can push yeah. 11. Like if you were going to push 11, who would be your next three right now? Probably iffy Starling and Savion. I, 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 yeah. You love I, Savion. He's, he's good. Yeah, so is Chase Lucas. <laughs> oh, you All don't right. have any proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Listen, listen. You and I are 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 fifteen feet from him when he's screaming True. his head off, and you can in it, it his 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 bellowing. You can feel it in your body when he's like he's he is boisterous. That's for certain. He is certainly loud. That it, that might be his the yep. greatest quality he has shown on the NFL field yet. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Boy, trying he, to. To, to hate on the kid, but injuries have been a big issue with him, I think, so far, and um, we saw that again during during mini. Well, let, I mean, let's let's hope Savion can be the guy that he is because he had one sure. of the scariest injuries Fair we've point. seen, right? I mean, like my goodness, but he's, I mean, but Savion does yeah. look good, so I think that'll be. I, I, but I think this goes to your point. I I I do think that this. Chase versus Savion battle is, is, is versus Starling Thomas battle is is going to be really what it comes down to because they can probably roll with Kirby and Tracy and Iffy because of the versatility of Gardner Johnson right. and Branch right like and and I think Iffy isn't even necessarily guaranteed anything he's just athletic a guy they've invested in a guy that they think they can, that can play the position so he's probably got a leg up but. Nothing's going to be guaranteed to these guys. That's it's it's going to be wide open in that secondary, and it, it, there's a lot of guys that could that could surprise. All right, let's take a break here. When we come get come back, more of your questions here on Twitter Spaces, not Spotify Live, Twitter Spaces. Be sure to join us. Follow us on Twitter at Pride of Detroit, and you can be part of the show. But until then, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. 
Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. And we are back here on Twitter Spaces Call-In Show. Got to come up with a snappier name than that. For some reason, Spotify Live rolled off the tongue. Twitter Spaces, not as much. But uh, hey, we're here answering your Lions questions here. As always, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and look for a Twitter Spaces link if you want to join us. But it has been too long into the show. It is time to bring on the one, the only, Dan Pask is here. What's going on, dude? Uh, hi there, guys. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I uh, I hadn't actually planned on it. I, you know, I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, like, I, I, I've spoken quite a lot. But um, <laughs> I, I, wanted to, I wanted to relay something that I, I was uh, chatting with Nate about. And I think the, the thing that Twitter Spaces doesn't have that Spotify Live had and the other apps had is a chat. So mm. I, I know it sounds weird, but we're just sort of, we're all sort of sitting silently in our little, like, singular cubicle rooms or whatever we're doing. <laughs> And we call, and I think that's the hardest thing we can't interact. So I, yeah. I don't know if anybody else feels that, but that's that's kind of what I was thinking. But I, I have a question because I wanted to see what you guys thought about, like, um, and and we love to overreact and everything else and, and and all these sorts of things. But like with those OTAs that we've just gone through, it it almost felt like a sort of a, he called it a uh, pajama party. But like we, we I think we take for granted how many new players come into a, a squad of 90 every year and 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 how they you know to bed them in, excuse me I'm sorry uh, bed them in and stuff like that but I mean if I mean sorry to, to drown it but like did you was were there things I mean it feels maybe it was Stalin but but were there things in OTAs that struck you sort of stuck out with you do you know what I mean rather than just like a big hello get to know each other kind of a thing you know what I mean yeah I think so um do you, do you have an answer, Eric? I'm, I might have one that I there's there's something that I want to write about. I'm not sure how much I want to tip my hand yet, but but do you have a do you have an answer to that question? Um, <laughs> not a great one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think I think the uh, the thing is is what what you what they're doing now during the OTAs is just like your basic installs, right? So. You're just getting your basic like these are our main core things, or these are our formations that we're going to work multiple multiple plays out of. They're just trying to get that base in there uh, during the the last the last few weeks. And I think with the new people, with the new players, the the thing that I noticed most was almost across the board they were um, like welcomed and some of them were like elevated already into leadership roles. And it was like, they'd been here for years, like with Gardner Johnson, like yeah. with, with Cam Sutton, even with Mosley coming off the bench. Uh, like e even though he's not, he's still coming back off that ACL and he's got that big brace on. He was even like coming out and like try, like the, the, there was no like unification process that needed to be done. It was like already there. And so um, I think when you have a good, core group of uh players that are are that are good people and they're they're just willing to to welcome these new guys in there was no like hiccup there was no like weird chemistry there was no um like delays i thought they meshed really well um and and like with with mosley specifically he wanted to get yeah. on the field like crazy 
Like he was jumping out on the field and doing stuff that he probably shouldn't have been doing at his point in his ACL recovery. And he was even out there when all the veterans got dismissed, he still came back that following week to stay. Um, probably some of it was rehab, but it was also because he's trying to learn. He's, he's he, he, I think is going to want to be in that mix. So the thing that I noticed with the new guys is that they immediately meshed uh, in with the existing group. Yeah. That, that actually kind of, works into what I wanted to talk about, which is. Oh, good. I uh, no, your not, it, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's, it's the fact that this team is starting to take over player led leadership, right? The thing that, that Dan Campbell yeah. has been talking about for a while. I've, I think back to the last two OTAs in training camp and the stars of the show were the coaches, right? It was the coaches going crazy yeah. on the sidelines. It's them lining up all these competitive drills. That's not there anymore. And the reason it's not there anymore is because the guys are fired up enough on their own. They don't need these kind of like gimmicky drills where, you know, it's, I mean, they, they're still doing a little bit of that stuff because they want competitive, like they're doing it with the kickers more so than anyone else because the guys are already fired up enough. And so to me, I think that the drastic change that I'm starting to see kind of big picture is that this is the players teams now, like the, the coaches are now finally kind of starting to take that step back of in terms of leadership, right? Like they're obviously still in there giving other instructions and, and, and advice and things like that, but it's, they don't have to get everyone riled up anymore. Cause they're already there. They're walking into the building that way. And that's like a very, like once you kind of just take a step back and, and really consider what we're seeing now compared to what we were seeing in year one and even into year two is drastically different. Am, am I, am I overstating that Eric? Sorry about that. Uh, no, I don't think uh, you're overstating it. I think I, what surprised me the most along those lines is that you don't think about – when you think about Chauncey Gardner, the first thing that pops into your head is that he's yeah. a talker, right? He talks a ton of smack. He gets people to punch him. Like, like some, he, that's, right. you know what I mean? Like he's feisty and he like, and like, that's the first thing that you think about. And the second thing you think about when you think of him is that like, he's a terrific player. Like this is a pro bowl player who is this hybrid guy who can play all over the defense. And like that second thing. But when he came in and they said, we want you to be a leader. And he embraced that role. Like he is very clearly a leader out there. And like, that's not something that I was expecting. I know they said that, but like, and when you see it out there and you see that happening, like it's, it's, it was, it, it still threw me off. Like, and so Garner Johnson taking that like leadership role on Tracy coming back. I think his leadership was missed at, at different points. And so like, and he's lot, and the two of them mesh really well together as well. And so you've got these two real, you know, vocal guys who have, these positive like vibes and they're heavily encouraging and they, and they're both like embracing the, the opportunity to be a leader. Um, it's just, it, it's not something that I was, that I was expecting. I was expecting Gardner Johnson to be like this, you know, terrific player, but I was not expecting to see the level of leadership, uh, you know, that we saw at him. Which, which is interesting because it's one of the very first things he mentioned in his introductory press I know. Conference. I just didn't believe him, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, honestly, like, because, like, when you think about it, like, it, he never really had to do that before. And so you never really saw that part of him. And so, 
Um, but yeah, I was, it was absolutely one of the first things. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. But then like <laughs> hearing him say that he wants to be a leader and then seeing the way that he's leading, I think are, 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 it was, it was very different for me. And and I guess that's maybe what caught me off guard. Maybe I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it didn't catch you off guard. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess it, it's, it's always surprising that someone can come in that quickly and just act, yeah. just be completely acclimated. Right. That's not an easy thing to do. I think in any, like, can you imagine that in any job, just like walking in on day one and be like, all right, I'm a leader here. Like, are you all follow me? It's not well, an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's all right. All right. I, I see what you were trying to get. At there. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to take a question here from uh, from Twitter here. Uh, Brennan. Uh, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for the question, buddy. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. Um, but thank you, Dan. Um, let's. Uh, Oh, I hope I didn't kick you. I hope I, I just tried to make you not a speaker anymore. Anyways, uh, sorry about that. Uh, this question comes from Twitter. Uh, Brennan asks, which player on offense and defense, not including quarterback, is the most irreplaceable on this roster? Uh, let me throw it to you first, Ryan. Uh, I, I think the pl- it's non-quarterback, right, on offense? Yes, Obviously, right. yep. yeah, J- Jared Goff is irreplaceable, um, no matter how much you love Nate Sudfeld. Um, the, I, this might be kind of shocking. I, I think the easy answer might be Frank Ragnow, right? I, I think the easy answer is the guy in the middle, the guy who, you know, provides so much stability. I know that it was Evan Brown in the past who could step in and maybe they view Graham as a guy who could step in and do that in a pinch. But honestly, he's better served as a right guard. If you look at the way that he performed in Denver, I don't know if it, it, obviously injuries play a factor, but his performance at guard was, was far better than it was at center. And it was kind of, it was the same way here in Detroit, you know, when, when Frank got here and, and he pushed Graham over to guard. I personally, I, I think it's Jameer Gibbs. Like, I don't think Jameer Gibbs is replaceable. Like for a guy who they expect to do all the things that they want him to do, you know, like you mentioned, Jeremy at, at minicamp guys out there working with the wide receivers, running routes, doing things like that. Who's another running back on the roster that can do that? I don't think there's anybody. I, I think I think flat out, like Jameer Gibbs is the most irreplaceable player in terms of being able to replicate what they want him to do on a down in, down out basis. I, I think he's the most irreplaceable on offense. That's a really interesting point and uh, an answer I wouldn't have thought of, but I think in terms of like skill set, I think you're right. I don't know if there's a person on this roster that has anywhere close to that same skill set. Um, which is really, I mean, because you, I think most people would take this question as who's the most valuable player on your offense. And, and, you know, sure. someone like yeah. Panay, Panay would be a, a fine answer to this question, but if, if it's truly, who is the most irreplaceable, I think you might be onto something there. I'm, I'm curious what Eric has to say about that though. Well, I, I have two. Um, so I, if you want, if you have one that you want to take and then I'll see if, uh, if mine, if I'll have one left over still, I I'll don't, just, um, I'll just take Panay. Like, uh, and I don't, I don't feel like I have to describe myself there. Like, yeah, we, we, we were we just talk- talking about how, yeah. how big of a drop off there is at, at tackle once you go beyond the top two. So, yep. And Panay was- also brings that like irreplaceable mentality that, that is somehow yeah. still rare. Yep. Pass catching it, skills, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah irreplaceable <laughs> ability to be a pass catcher. Yes, um, that was one of mine. The other one, Ali McNeil. 
Um, they're so thin. He, he plays defense, tackle. by the way. Yeah, he's he's on defense, Eric. Oh, I thought it said either. <laughs> well, we were going to do one on offense, one on defense. Uh, that's fine. Well, let me go switch to defense then. Okay, it's that's the fine. meds. Um, it's the meds. He no, he's just daydreaming of Ali McNeil playing running back like I have been for ever since yeah. I drafted him. Um, <laughs> well, okay. If you want, if you want an offensive guy, I'll say Amon Ra because I don't. It's it's similar to Gibbs. Like Amon Ra is probably the closest guy to Gibbs that they have, to be honest, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I think if you lose Amon Ra, you know, it's it's that's bad news all around. Um, but yeah, it all switches to defense and Ali McNeil for me. Um, the depth on the on the on the defensive tackle spot is, is woefully thin and the best the three best players beyond Ali McNeil are all nose tackles and so I don't think you have a pass rushing option uh if if on the interior if Aleem goes down you you're not other than like you know when you reduce Kaminsky or Pascal inside on like pass rushing downs but like on a down to down basis McNeil is really the only interior pass rush option that they have and I think he's he's a guy that if he's goes down, they don't have an answer to replace him. Yeah. I think, I think Aleem McNeil is probably the right answer. I don't know if uh, anyone else comes necessarily close, but, but Ryan, do you have a, a second answer, I guess, or maybe do you think there is a, a different right answer? Uh, with, without seeing him play a single down for the Detroit lions, I think it's Cam Sutton. Does this team have another CB one on their team? Probably not. Probably, probably not. not. Probably not. Like, is I, he a CB one though? I think that's a fair question to ask too. Though, I, I feel like they paid him to be one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, they, they need him more than anybody else to hit the ground running, and and I think that they. I, I, that's why I feel like it was a it was a sound investment, right? Like, yes, I, you, you may have overpaid for the guy a little bit because you don't really know if he has that CB one capability, right? But I think that they know that they have a guy who has like a very high floor. And they have a guy who they can trust to play, you know, a starter share of snaps no matter what. And, and they can do so many interesting things with him in terms of, you know, moving him around in in, in their scheme and whatnot. Um, because you talked about it earlier, like he talked about the defensive backs. You can't really say like, okay, cornerback safety. Like, it, like these guys need to be be able to do a, a lot of things. And I think with Sutton, like, what what's the drop off from Sutton? Somebody who's who's been in the NFL and who's done it. Versus Emmanuel Mosley, who's flashed a little bit, but you know didn't play the majority of last season. Jerry Jacobs, another guy who's a question mark because he's a UDFA who's played a little bit, but also has played through injuries. Who's that guy who's going to step up and be CB1 if Cam Sutton isn't that guy? Will Harris. And uh, <laughs> my point is made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a fair point to be made. To, I, I think... I think it's also kind of a stark reminder of even though that secondary is, is much improved, it is an injury or two away from being not so great, um, which, I mean, you can say for a lot of teams, certainly, but um, just it, another way that, that that maybe the season could get semi-derailed. You'd like to hope that some of these guys can step in and be fine. And, you know, it's not, I guess it's not the end of the world if Jerry Jacobs and Emmanuel Mosley are starting corners, but it's clearly a big step down. So I think uh, that's a point worth making. And then I guess... You probably have to throw Aiden into the conversation, right? Because while the lines are, are deep at edge, how many guys can they trust to be out there for 80 to 90% of the snaps? How many guys have that versatile of a skill set where they can be there on a third and long to pass rush and they can be there on first down to be a good edge setter as well. There's not, it's not a ton. And 
to do it at the level that Aiden is doing it at, at, there's really nobody. I mean, who, who on this, as deep as they are, how many of these guys have proven that they can do it for more than one year? And granted, Aiden has obviously only done it for one year, but like, who's a guy that you trust and you're certain that, you know, their one good year that they had in Detroit or elsewhere is going to continue on their, on their career. I was going to say the only other guy who has a similar skill set in terms of his ability to play outside and inside would be guy who was drafted in the same draft as Hutchinson, but we only got to see him for a little bit last year and Josh Pascal, you know what sure. I mean? Like that, that, but again, I think that kind of shows like the drop off and like, if, if this doesn't work out, like it, it's kind of like a roll of the dice, right? Kind of like the cornerback position. Like, yeah. you know what you have in Cam Sutton, you know what you have in Aiden Hutchinson past that. If, if, you know, but like you said, Jeremy, there, there's there's tons of teams who have that problem around the league. If if they had so much depth, then you know they they'd be a super team. But um, yeah, I, as far as a guy who can play outside and, and kick inside, and you can trust on running downs, and you can trust on you know pass rush. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a good question. All right, let's uh, let's go back to the phone lines here. Uh, we have JS at uh, Lex Icewood waiting patiently. Let's bring them on. All right, JS, you are on. Make sure you unmute yourself. You guys hear me? Yeah. All right, cool. I have no idea how this works. Um, <laughs> We're figuring it out. I'm sorry. Neither do we. I, yeah. I had to say this, but a longtime <laughs> listener, first time Twitter spacer. That's cool. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. So it's kind of a two-parter. It's kind of bouncing off what Eric said earlier. So what are the odds that Chauncey is a uh, lion next year? And if not, can you guys compare or compare and contrast him and, and Brian Branch if he's not? Oops. Oh, so, okay. Sorry. You, you cut out there at the end. Uh, and also, Eric, are you here, Eric? So did you guys hear the question fully or not? You have your can, can you re- repeat the very end of it? Sorry. I was so like, so <laughs> give me the odds on Chauncey being a lion next year. And if not, like how does Brian branch compare to him skill set wise in terms of taking over what he's doing? Yeah, no, um, it's, I feel like that's, it's, it's a really interesting question. Cause I feel like a lot of people just immediately assume that TJ Gardner Johnson is gone next year. And it seems like a silly thing to assume before the guy has even played a single game here. Um, right. Especially but, if he's being such a leader. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and while I think the lines are obviously going to have some other leaders in that secondary and, um, and, and like, I understand the logic too, is just like, have, let, let him have a good year here. He gets a ginormous contract somewhere else. You, 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 you play the comp pick game. Maybe you get a third round pick out of that. And that's like, you played that well, you, you didn't pay him all that much for one year. You got a good year out of him. You're getting a third round pick that you didn't have before. All of that makes a lot of sense. Um, Eric, I feel like we we talked a little bit about this, and I can't remember whether it was on or off air, um, about the the overlapping skill between those two. Um, uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, for me, I do think that I, yeah, I, I do ahead. think that that I, I that we're t- I assume we're talking about Brian Branch and Gardner Johnson, right? I heard Gardner yes. Johnson, so yes. I, I, he, a Branch is always the guy that gets associated with him. Um, the the difference between the two, while they do have absolutely a great overlapping skill set of being able to work the slot, the big difference for me is that Gardner Johnson can uh, not only play the slot, but he can play uh, in two high safety sets. He can play single high safety. He can he can basically uh, he can kick outside if he needs to. He can play all five 
of the uh, defensive back spots. Branch doesn't quite have that versatility. Right now, Branch, to me, uh, looks really comfortable in a two-high safety sets, not as much in a single high. Now, he did some single high at at, at Bama, but he, he doesn't look like he quite has that range maybe for the NFL level. And so he may be restricted to just when they want to go too high, which they did a lot of anyway. So that's, you know, that's an area he can go. But what, what uh, branch does that Gardner Johnson doesn't is he can shift up into the box and he can be a cover linebacker. He can be a, a blitzer off the edge. And so, uh, that's not something that you typically see a lot out of Gardner Johnson. It, it's again in his range, but it's not at the pinnacle of what he does best. And so, um, they do op. They do their like extracurricular stuff to me exists in, in in different areas, and I think that's what separates them, and that's why you can get guys, you can get both of those guys on the field at the same time because of how they work different angles, how they want to do different things, and like, and if you're in like, if you go to like a dime set, you can get you can have one operating out of one slot, one operating out of the other. You can stack them. You can do a lot of different things, and so I don't think it's as easy of a one for one. Gardner Johnson's for sure gone next year type of thing, uh, like a lot of people want to make it out to be. I think having both of those guys with their skill sets are unique enough that you could absolutely justify spending money to keep Gardner Johnson in Detroit uh, with a big contract next offseason because him and Branch do have different nuances that make them special. Ryan, what, what do you think? Do you think that that he's as good as gone already before he's played a game, or or do you think there's there's a chance that – I mean, it, I guess the other part of this equation, whether you know there's room in terms of the scheme for both, is whether there's going to be room in terms of money because if C.J. Gardner has a uh, – C.J. Gardner Johnson has a season in which, you know, you want him back. Right, we, we'd have to pay up. him as a top five safety in the league. Right, you know? right. You might have to, so – I don't know. What do you think, Ryan, in terms of just that? Well, I think part of the assumption why a lot of people thought that as soon as Brian Branch was drafted, that C.J. Gardner-Johnson was gone is because, you know, the discussion we're having right now, right? Like the overlapping skill sets. Um, obviously, how Eric highlighted, there's going to be some some growth and development that's going to have to happen for Branch in order to ha- have the kind of versatility that, that um, Chauncey has right now. But I, I, I guess I think that if this regime, again, this regime is always known so far for you know these, these past couple of years to to have contingency plans um, and, and to set themselves up for for the future, right? And I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of hard pressed to to give. But also, I, mean, I yeah. don't know. Maybe it's it's like a Lions fan thing. Like it, it feels like Chauncey he signed this like one year Merck deal. And maybe we're just so down bad that we feel like we don't deserve that, that he wants to be here longer, you know, but maybe, it's not, maybe. He, well, it sounds like he's taking a leadership role in the defense for like, maybe we will have to, cause I would absolutely throw down the money for him. He seems like with what he's doing with the team and his skill set, why not keep him for five years? I, I think the thing he needs to prove though, is the thing that prevented him from getting a multi-year deal offer from other teams. And it's right, right. To, 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 to be thing. that, to be that leader and, and to show that maturity on a consistent basis, because 
you know, things didn't end so well in Philly. You know, there, there are a lot of things that, that, you know, CJ, GJ, that he, he tweeted out and he deleted. And, um, there's a lot of back and forth between him and Philly fans and there's some bad blood there. Um, there's obviously the whole contract fiasco that, that, you know, his, his agency had, had tweeted out and things like that. So I, I think that's why you have somebody like him who's so motivated to come in here and assume that leadership role. It's great to do it in June, but I need you to do it in October, right? I, I need you to be that leader who brings everybody together and doesn't, you know, create a divide. Um, and, and, and that's going to be important, you know, and that's why it's kind of hard to put the cart before the horse and say that you would make that deal now because it, it is a one-year prove-it deal. And, and if he goes out and he does it and he proves it and he's a guy that you view as like, man, this is a Swiss Army knife that the Lions just absolutely cannot let get away, then, then pay the guy because, I don't know, I, I feel like the Lions, they, they've done it once, right, with a, with a one-year prove-it deal. They did it with Charles Harris. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because – I feel like next offseason could be really, really interesting because some of those 2021 first-round picks, you're going you're gonna to start talking about extensions for guys like Amon Ra. You're going to start talking about, you know, this young core that we're all like, oh, it's great. Like, they're young yeah. and inexpensive. I didn't they're even think s- about that. That's they're going to start getting expensive in a hurry. Um, and so, obviously, you have the fifth-year option with Panay, which, I mean, they might as well pick it up right now because there's no question there, but – um, I think Panay gets that 15 year option. Yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, like I, I've been kind of hinting at this a couple times, like for the job that Brad Holmes has done so far, it's about to change drastically. Um, it's not just going to be about building through the draft. You're going to have to make some tough decisions here on how to balance the budget and keeping these guys homegrown or making some tough decisions and letting guys go because you can't pay everybody. And so C.J. Gardner-Johnson is, is going to be part of that tough conversation next year, I would think. And and as much as everything we just said, I still am kind of tipping the scales towards, like, they're going to need money for other things. And if they have Brian Branch, I think there's enough overlap there that it would probably be smart to just pass the torch there, assuming – I mean, all of this is based on the assumption that Brian Branch is a player that Eric thinks he is and that a lot of people think he is. Oh, he is. <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely going to be. But again, like, for me – as long as as um, as AG is the Lions' defensive coordinator, I think you're going to get the best Gardner Johnson that that he can be, right? Because like there was no problems in New Orleans when when AG was there with him. Like I think him and AG they have like this ten year relationship where they've known each other since since Gardner Johnson was you know like in freshman in high school or whatever it was and like they go way back and they understand each other and i think ag understands how to work with them and so for me i think he's a guy that is going to be high on the resign list for me because if he pans out the way i think he is because everything that i see the leadership like look we saw what we saw with jamal was is that they're not scared to move on from a leader, right? But at the same time, there's a huge benefit in being able to keep your leadership intact as well. So I think it, they're going to do what they did, take a similar approach that they take with Jamal, assuming everything plays out the way we think, right? Like it's, I have a certain amount of money set aside and I want to meet you with it. If you're willing to come down to this, you know, into the same range, then then we have a conversation. And if you're not, then 
then you know we'll we'll move in another direction. And I don't think Brad Holmes is scared to do that. And then at the same time, if this is a winning organization and and, and you have player coaches, player friendly coaches, and you have we saw this we saw that this past offseason, players are willing to take uh, deals that are team friendly. Players are willing to take discounted deals if they didn't meet their their uh, their end of the contract because of injury or, or whatnot, right? Like so, like I don't think we're looking at an organization that is going to have to necessarily like overpay to get or keep a player like we've had to see this organization do in the past. Now, granted, you've got to proven on the field you've got to win a division you've got to get to the playoffs you've got to do these things in order to to keep this going but they're showing this offseason showed me that this is an organization that's taking a step towards being competitive and being able to keep players at at, at lower costs all right and with that we're going to take our second break here thanks for Appreciate the call it, guys. all right uh there we go uh, when we come back, more of your Lions questions here on the uh, Twitter Spaces app. Just the Twitter app. Twitter Spaces on the Twitter app. We will be right back. And we are back here closing up shop on the Twitter spaces as, uh, as Ryan wants me to continue to call it, uh, as always, uh, or I shouldn't say as always, as for the first time, uh, you can join us on these Twitter spaces by <laughs> following us on Twitter. Uh, we'll probably be doing these on Saturday mornings, I would guess. Um, but, uh, just be on the lookout on the website, on Twitter, discord, we have a discord wherever you can find us. Uh, we'll be trying to keep you guys updated on when we do these, but let's jump back into the calls here. Uh, Felanius monk is next on the line here. Felanius monk. Are you there? Make sure to unmute yourself. Uh, West coast transplant lines fan here. So I'm looking ahead to the uh, ninth game, which is at SoFi against the chargers. Um, yeah, you know, we'll have the Korean barbecue at the tailgate if anyone wants a plate, but my question is, there's only one division game leading into this, basically more than halfway through the season. And, um, and I wanted to see if you guys are worried about that. Um, obviously, injuries pile up as seasons go on. It's more likely to have more injuries in the second half. And uh, to have that many division games towards the end, is that something I'm overthinking? Or, you know, is it because our division is weak? Maybe it's not such a bad thing. Interesting question. Um, yeah, I, I would say it actually does not work to the Lions benefit but not for the reasons you said like because injuries right that's going to even out on every team theoretically um but for me I'm thinking about it as Jordan Love is now going to have a lot of experience and obviously Jordan Love and the Packers are the one game that that is before that one the one division game but the the longer Jordan Love has to to maybe get his feet wet the tougher potentially it might be And, and I would say the same with like basically the entire Chicago Bears team they have so many new pieces that it's going to take a while for that all to click and to have both of those games, you know, I think closer or after Thanksgiving. Um, 
I think I think you're probably going to get a much better Bears team, much like with the Lions, right? I think a lot of people look at what the Bears are doing as maybe a year or two behind the Lions. And what do we know from the Lions of the past two seasons? They got a lot better as the season went on. So facing Chicago, I think, later in the season is a little bit of a handicap, I guess, to put it. I don't care about the Vikings. Lions are going to sweep the Vikings. I don't care when they play them. Vikings aren't good. That's going <laughs> to two wins there. But but I think but I do think you have a point that it, it is interesting that that all those division games are backloaded and and I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. The the one benefit though is is that most of the outdoor games, just the Chicago game, is is outdoor late in the season, right? I think that's right in terms of outdoor games. Correct. Correct. What do you guys think on this topic? Late division games for them against them i mean i guess the, the counter to what i said is that the lions are also probably going to be a better team in the second half of the season as well yeah that's true i mean you everything you said i think specifically about the bears right like it, it's going to take some time for them to gel i mean you look at the lions secondary right like that's not going to happen overnight and I, I think i kind of view this as looking at those late season divisional games just from like an entertainment perspective like those are going to be really fun to watch because they're going to be meaningful i just because of how it's not even just the division is wide open as it's it's perceived to be i think that's like a that's like a matter of fact like the the division is going to be wide open those games are going to be meaningful um all the way down down to the end so um but yeah i, I don't care about when the lions play the vikings because that's just going to be a it's going to be a squash fest. So, Eric, any thoughts? Man, <laughs> the the disrespect for Minnesota. Um, <laughs> they suck. They're terrible. Well, I I I I I guess we'll just we'll have this debate. Um, I'm I'm less worried about the the Bears than I am the Vikings. Um, I I think. At Minnesota, at Chicago, you know, in December, both games in December, those games uh, create a little bit of, you know, concern, right? Because they're division games on the road. Any Anytime you play any division opponent, whether they're terrible or not, you, the, there's going to be an element of, uh, of concern, I think, that surrounds that. The Packers games, I'm actually not as worried about because they're both on Thursday, so they're both in prime time. Like they're both going to be in front of a national audience, and I think the Lions get up for those games. So um, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping they come ready to play. I I could see it's 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 ridiculous to say, but all six of those games should be winnable. Like it's I, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win all six, but I'm saying all of them are winnable because. They get up for those Green Bay games. Chicago and Minnesota are not the teams uh, that I don't think they're ready to compete. But if if, if there are going to if the Lions are going to be vulnerable, those, those away games late in December, I think those are the games that uh, you, you should be mildly concerned about. I, I was going to say the the one thing that we can maybe add is that because the Lions are so to speak, the team that kind of has the target on their back, right? Like those are the games that those sure. divisional opponents are going to have circled and say, hey. If if we you know just you know, if we steady the ship if if we're if we're hanging tight if if we have a you know a stone's throw chance of competing for this division if if we stay even close to within striking distance if we can you know beat the Lions late in the season that could give us like the game that we need right just to just to get over the hump man just just saying like 
I mean, not your exact words, but saying the division goes through to Detroit or if we want to win this thing, we have to beat Detroit. Get comfortable, baby. <laughs> it's so weird to say those words and, and them actually being true, right? Um, yeah. It's it's a weird sensation. But uh, but thanks for the, the, the call, Filoni's Monk. I think this is actually going to go really well into um, a question re- we received on Twitter that I am struggling to currently find because I'm – oh, there it is, from our, our good friend Brandon Kerr, um, <clears throat> who says, how much of the Lions hype machine – uh, that the Lions are enjoying scares or at least worries you. I don't remember it being this extreme, even as far back as the Billy Sims years. So again, it, it's the it's the uncomfortableness of new expectations, and we keep telling ourselves the the Dan Miller mantra of comfortable being comfortable being uncomfortable. But I'm guessing. I guess my question is: Are you guys there yet? Are you finally comfortable being comfortable, or is this still weird to you? Uh, I laid it all out. Yeah, I know your answer. <laughs> and said, if you bring me a victory in week 18, I'm all in. And so the hype does not scare me at all. I'm I'm in. I am all in on this team. Well, like double digit wins, give it to me. Division, give it to me. Hosting a playoff game because you win the division, give it to me. It's all within reach. I think the division is all those opponents are beatable. I am drinking the Kool-Aid like crazy because I said, this is what they need to do. And, and if you do it, I'm in. And so I'm in. I'm in. Oh. I'm going to go watch that game after we're done with this. But <laughs> For your 300th time. Um, here, here's what I'll say before I throw it to you, Ryan. It, there's nothing that scares me about the makeup of the team. To me, they're the, they're the clear favorite in the division. They should be a, a 10, 12. 13 whatever win team this year my concern is that the general randomness of nfl football when it comes to injuries when it comes to one score games when it comes to bad calls from referees all of that could lead to a nine win season an eight win season they miss the playoffs and then my fear is that everyone is going to be way too eager to like throw everything out and be like Dan Campbell didn't live up to expectations and like tear the whole thing down and everyone overreacting to like one just bad luck season and then and then throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like I just don't want to get there because because we are building all these expectations. Sometimes the NFL is random. Sometimes it, it just doesn't all line up in one season. If and if that happens, too many people are gonna be like, Well, there's the Lions. They they couldn't live up to their top billing. Who would have known time to change everything? That's what I'm mildly afraid of because I do like, and and that has more to do with people's reaction than reality because I, I, I think this, you know, this regime, this, this ownership, all that, I think they're on board. So even if we're in for a slightly disappointing season or maybe even a, a significantly disappointing season, I don't think anything's going to drastically change. I just think that like, that narrative of same old lines, all that, like it's going to come screaming back. And I really don't want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, look no further than who, who Monk mentioned in his question, the chargers, right? Like they're a team who, yeah. I mean, you On blow paper. that why you blow that wild card game to the Jags. And I mean, everybody's expecting Staley's had to get cut off, but he's still there. And you know, the, but I'm, how many people, as soon as the chargers lost that game, they're like, well, chargers are going to charger. 
You know, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like it, it could be something that, you know, happens, happens with Detroit. I just think that they're the team that's best built to withstand a lot of the randomness and injuries and the things that you said, because again, being comfortable to being uncomfortable is that their roster is just there. We just had a discussion in the first segment about how, you know, there, there really isn't a spot for some undrafted player or some late round rookie to immediately step in and grab a starting spot because the Lions have a lot of that stuff figured out and they have contingency plans at a lot of those spots. The discussion we just had about, you know, um, Gardner Johnson and, and Brian Branch. So I, I don't know. I, the, the one thing I said um, in the podcast on Monday was like, uh, if the Lions can get a, uh, a season out of Jameson Williams where he's a, 17 yard 18 yard per catch receiver um in in those 11 games that he plays i don't think there's a doubt in my mind that the lions don't like run away with the division i I think he's the linchpin i think he's such an important cog to like the lions being extra good i think without him though they can still be good enough to to win the division um but i don't know that's that's what i'm throwing out there i'm planting my flag with that that's my thing I think I think you definitely have a point where they they are a team that I mean we've seen it that can handle adversity that can ha- deal with with I mean they were one of the most injured teams last year and they got better as the season went on, um, and, yeah. and now it feels like they're they're deeper and they're they're you know in year two of the offensive scheme year three of the defensive scheme they they can weather some storms here, um, but man I don't know like it, it it's hard for me to get that monkey completely off my back and that's. I mean, hey, it's what I'm here for. Yep. They have to do it. They have to do it. It's a good way to put it. Um, all right. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Uh, Tubby Rumpkins is next. Let me bring him aboard. There you are. Make sure you unmute yourself. There you go. Uh, hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good, good. <clears throat> um, cool. Uh, so... Um, I want to get some insight on James Houston. Um, Sorry if you guys talked about him earlier. I tuned in kind of in the middle. Um, But I I, I read a – there's an article yesterday or the day before, I think, about James Houston. Um, And I – there was a quote in it that kind of like weirded me out a little. Um, He said – uh, he said, they kind of don't know where to put me right now. Um, and I guess I get that he's like going through um, like a position change again, I think, is my understanding. Like, I think they're moving him to linebacker, like where he played at Jackson State, I think. Um, so I'm not I'm not positive what's going on there. So I'd like I guess I'd like your insight on that. And um and, and yeah. I think I heard that he's uh, repping with the uh, – he was he was on the third team during TAs yeah. also. Uh, that kind of weirded me out also. Um, sure. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, the talent there is extremely obvious. I mean, he's a pass-rushing demon. I want to see more of him on the field. I don't – hearing that he's repping third team was kind of like – what's going on? So can you, I I guess I just want to hear some insight on what, what's up with James Houston. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it, it, it was maybe even a little bit surprising to all of us to see that, you know, 
what they do, especially early in practice, is they have first and second string on one field, third and fourth string on the other. And James Houston was was constantly out there with the third string. And even when you got into team drills, you, you often saw him like uh, we were talking about this during the midweek mailbag when when Adrian Martinez and the third string offense took over, it was a, das- a disaster. And part of the reason was because James Houston was just destroying the Lions third string offensive line. So the answer to that question is, yes, he is repping with the third string. The, the caveat I'd throw in there is that the Lions very much operate on a seniority basis when it comes to reps this early in OTAs and, and, and minicamp. So he's still a second-year, sixth-round pick. And I, think they, and I think part of it is a motivation thing too, right? Like they know what he can do as a pass rusher. They are trying to do other things with him and see how much he can take on his shoulders um, and, and a way to, I guess, maybe motivate. Like I think this team is very crafty with how they motivate their players. I think it's, it's, it's something that, that Dan Campbell 100% took from Bill Parcells, is he knows how to put players in positions to get them a little extra motivated, a little fire behind them. And one of the, the coolest quotes that I think we got this week on the last day of OTAs was from, um, I think it was Kelvin Shepard, who was like, I gave James Houston a look when it came to this last week of OTAs, and he knew what that meant. It meant I'm coming in for the last week in OTAs, when he didn't have to. He didn't have to come in. This is mostly just a rookie thing. He's a second-year guy. But as soon as he got that look, he's like, all right, I'm coming back. And so he was there all this week for OTAs. Um, but Eric, I'll throw it to you, Eric, in terms of like his his position, in terms of what they're trying to do with him this offseason and how different it is from what he did last year. Yeah, I, I think the a couple important things to, to point out here is that, one – in the spring, remember, I, we mentioned this earlier in the podcast. They're just running a lot of base installs, right? And and in their base package, he's not in that. He's part of he's part of a specialty package that they bring in for either third downs or if they're trying to like go into a five wide. And when they did go into like a five wide, he or Julian Aquara, they they were out there in those five wide situations, but like. <laughs> If you're just running a base four-man front, James Houston is not an edge rusher right now. He is a linebacker that's either on the bench or he's going to be off the ball. And if you want to see James Houston more on the field, he's got to learn how to play off the ball a little bit more. And I think that's what he's getting pushed into right now is they're trying to expose him to that off-the-ball skill set. They tried it last year. And he couldn't get it. He, he he was overwhelmed with it. He couldn't. He wasn't figuring it out. He was lost. And they had to scale him back into just focusing on pass rushing. And now he's really good at pass rushing. But in order for him to be on the field more than just in a pass rushing role, he has to learn how to play off the ball a little bit more. And Julian can do that a little bit, which is why Julian is repping with the ones. Remember, or, or with the you know he's first in the rotation ahead of Houston. But remember, Julian was the starter in this role, and Julian going to IR is what why Houston got his chance. So it's not surprising that the Lions just put Julian back into order. So I, I don't worry too much about like where he is for second, third team or anything like that. What he needs to do is he needs to get more comfortable in that in those off the ball skills. If he's going to play beyond just pass rushing off the ball is where he's got to learn. And that's what they're putting him in the situation in in the spring. They're going to do the same thing in the fall. And again, 
you don't take a guy and put him like in, in off the ball situations with like the first and second team. You start him low with like the third or the fourth team, and then you, as he acclimates and he builds those skills, then you start moving him up again. So it's it it, it makes total sense that he's repping with the third team. It makes total sense that Kelvin Shepard's looking at him saying, yeah, you should come back because he needs to get more off the ball reps. And, and that's really what he's doing. So James Houston is a massively talented pass rusher. We know that the coaches know that he's going to have a role on this team, but if he wants to be on the field more, he's got to expand that skill set, And I think that's what they're working on. It's, it's funny because the team talks about, as a team, they have to earn the right to pass rush. But for, for James Houston, it's almost very literal for him. If, if he wants to be on the field more, if he wants to be more than just that pass rusher, he has to earn it. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Ryan, anything to add before we move on? No, you guys did a wonderful job. And what a great question. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Tuggy Rubkins. Appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, for joining the show. Okay, let's close things out with our last caller here. Dino uh, Spumoni has been waiting quite patiently. Let's bring them aboard to close out the show. Dino, what's going on? Hey there, guys. Uh, I do want to say very much appreciate your uh, consistent coverage. Clearly dedicated and doing this deep in the off season. Uh, you know, kind of feeding the <laughs> the degeneracy that I've come you know, fandom. <laughs> So uh, that's that excited. You got a new a new home for this. Hopefully it sticks and uh, even more excited that it's just audio because after that one photo of Jeremy from the combine, I don't think I can look him in the eyes ever again. Hey, that's fair. Totally fair. So that said, I do have an actual question. Uh, I kind of want to flip the script here and ask you your own question from first bite. Uh, what is one thing you each think you know about this upcoming Lions season? I'll hang on. Ooh. Good question, Dino. Uh, yeah, that's what we like to uh, end our preview of each individual game with the question. In case you don't know, Eric, I know you, you probably don't listen to our podcast. Um, but yeah, that, I, this is a fascinating question. I haven't really thought about it. So are either of you ready well, I, so I can think about it a little more? What's the one thing you think you know about the 2023 Detroit Lions? And don't take a, a, min, a full minute to answer the question like, like Dan did in, in Hard Knocks. Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you first. Sorry, you've been quiet the longest. I've been quiet the longest. Okay. All right. You're putting my feet to the fire. Yes, um, sir. Okay. The one thing I think I know about the Lions season, I'll go with like an individual accolade, which probably flies in the face of everything that this team is trying to build. But uh, I'm going to say the one thing I think I know is that Jameer Gibbs is going to be your offensive rookie of the year. Ooh, not just on the team. You're talking about the league? Yeah, I'm talking about the league. I'm talking Ooh. about I'm talking about Bijan. I'm talking about you know wow. any anybody. Anybody I will, who's I will, drafted. I will never make fun of you for for lack of bold predictions ever again. Thank you. I mean that's really what I was trying to accomplish with this. <laughs> um I again I just think that he is, as I said earlier, the most irreplaceable player on this offense in terms of his skill set, in terms of the the things that they want him to do. I think that they want this guy to be not even just like, you know, they brought in Montgomery first, right? And you get the sense that it's like, okay, the Lions have their they have their three down back, they have their guy who can tote the rock. They they draft Gibbs and it's just like, oh man, like this is gonna be like a timeshare. 
Montgomery's obviously going to be the lead guy. I think it's like going to be a 50-50 split. And then the things that they showed in, you know, in minicamp and talking about formations and having the, the dual split back thing, I think Gibbs is going to be on the field a lot. He's going to have a lot of opportunities. Offensive rookie of the year, the one thing I think I know. Dang. Eric, that's that's a spicy one to, to come off of. But what's the one thing? Wait, am I sp- oh. Is it supposed to be bold? It is doesn't it? have to. We, we like to go bold on the I know you guys. I, we did this podcast. once before, and I messed it up, I feel like. <laughs> oh, so, no, like you can be boring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll get, okay. Well, I'll he, give you one. He, honestly, at the at the base of the question is you're kind of supposed to go not bold. It's it's the one thing you're sure. most confident in, right? In right. terms of going it, and I, and you can take it that way. You can you can go a little bold if you want. Well, the, okay. The thing I'm most confident in is that the Lions' offensive line will be top three in the NFL. Like their offensive line, but that's not that's not that's not bold. I think like everybody thinks they're top five as it is. Like they're I, they are built to be a top three unit they might even be top two like but again is that not and i i'm not good at this like it, it i'm not accustomed to your <laughs> style so like i'm not sure it doesn't sound bold enough i guess right well how about that let me let me help you yeah go ahead how about the lions offense will not regress and remain a top five scoring unit no, no, I said offensive line. I know. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm adding to it and, and adding a little oh. spice. Do you oh. agree with that statement? No, go. I'm sorry. You have to repeat that. Their, their offense as yes. a whole is going to be top five. Is that what you yes. said? Yes, it will not regress. It will stay in the top five. I, I, that's somewhat bold. I, I would say. Yeah, but do you that, agree with it? Oh no, no, I don't agree with it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think they'll be top ten. I don't know if they're going to be top five. It's just, just because. I don't know how much of a hit, like not that. Uh, I, I think they're going to be as good. I, I just don't know if I can say top five. <laughs> okay. See, to the fire. Well, okay. No, 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 no. That, that's fine. No, I, let me ask. Let me ask you a question, Eric. Okay. Do the Lions need to have that in order to be a division winning team? No. No. So because you're, I think so. You're defense, thinking their defense is taking a huge jump, then, right? Yes. I think their defense is going to be top 20, put right around that, maybe top 15. And I think with a top 10 go. offense and a top 20 defense, this they waltz the division. I mean, they just walk them. Like okay. with a top 20 defense and a top 10 offense, they walk through the division. There that, you go. Is I that think bold? That, I think right. that works. All right. Because, I mean, I think that those were my two that I was debating in between was the defense is going to take a significant jump. I say – if it's not at least 16, I'm going to be disappointed. And then the other one is I, for, for as much as we've been talking recently about like, is the Lions wide receiver group good enough with all the injuries or with all the, the losses in the off season in terms of losing DJ Chark in terms of losing JMO for the first six games. I still think this team has enough pieces and Ben Johnson is as, as smart of a dude who even if he doesn't have a ton of outside receiving options, he's going to find ways to get people open in space. And so I do not think this offense is going to take any sort of significant regression. Really, the biggest question might be, well, outside of maybe health, is is Jared Goff, right? Is, is, is there any chance that he takes a step back? And the reason I don't think he will is because I think the Lions are doing a really good job of accentuating his strengths. Building off an offensive with plays and schemes that he's comfortable with and puts him in positions to succeed. And he just has the perfect 
supporting cast that I don't see any regression. So the one thing I think I know, I'm going to steal the one that you refused. I, I think this is going to remain a top five offense in the league. Nice. And I think well, that'll do it. Well done. Oh, oh. Well done, everybody. We did it, guys. We made it through our first episode of the Twitter spaces. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, it mostly went off without a hitch there. There's probably, it's probably not going to be as clean of an edit as normal because we don't have a timestamp and hopefully we can get this up to you by Saturday morning. But if you want to join us next week, maybe it'll be probably around Saturday morning. Just follow us on Twitter. Look for the tweets out in the morning. Uh, you can come in and, and send us questions on Twitter or you can uh, raise your hand and, and be a caller. Um, and we might even do a little bit of overtime afterwards that you don't even hear on the podcast feed. But for now, for Eric, for Ryan, Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. It's chaos. Be kind. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.